were talking uh, about uh, Galatians, and I just want to continue on that this morning. We're, um, I've been doing a study just with Matt Chandler from Texas and the Village Church, and just going through like a line-by-line -line, uh, view of, of, of the book of Galatians, and just learning from each verse just different things that, that, that have been written there. And it's one big letter to the church. So even though today we're only looking at a little chunk of it, it was designed to be a letter that the whole thing was read in one sitting, and, and there was this, this uh, um, the church that in Galatia would, would have got kind of the whole picture. But there's so much in it that even just sitting there in, in one take, there was, there was just so many things that Paul's talking about in there that we wanted to just draw a little bit uh, more attention to. Last night at uh, our Saturday night services, which uh, if, you're, if you're not able to come to a Sunday morning, our Saturday night ones at 7 are, are a great uh, thing to be a part of uh, as well. Last night we looked at it more of a line by line. Today I, I want to just change that up a bit. I just want to look at it a little bit more in a topical. So a quick recap from, for those who weren't here last week or if you... Um, if you missed it, the uh, file didn't work, so it wasn't able to go online. So for those of you like, hey, I wanted to know the points of what it was. Yes, I know some of you are like, I wanted to share that. Well, now you get to in person. Here's the points you want. So if you're taking notes, <laughs> write them down. What we were asking about, and the reason we started talking about this is we, we asked, do you know the gospel message? Do you know what the good news is and how to share it with someone? And if you had the opportunity to, what would you say? And, and the reason we talked about that is, is a couple weeks ago, I had the chance to just have a conversation with an atheist, an atheist who is a pro-atheist. This guy knew his stuff. Google has helped him a lot. And, uh, you know, he could even Google every, hey, if a Christian says this, what do I say? And sure enough, they tell you exactly what to say. And as you go through this, you can, you can get... Um, talk to the point of, of saying, hey, you know, all this stuff you believe, you say you believe, could it not be that it was this? Could it not be that it was this? Could it not be that it was this? And they try and talk you to a place of, of um, not understanding or, or, or not believing what it is that, that is that's true. And, and I thought, you know, if that could happen to me, if I could get talked kind of to the edge of belief and feeling like, wait a second, you know, second-guessing things, and I thought, then, hey, what about people in our church? Yeah, there's an interesting statistic that they, uh, they were asking. They just did a poll of, of pastors and in different denominations and said, how confident are you that your congregation could share the gospel? And uh, it said that the Baptist pastors had 25% felt like theirs were confident to share the gospel. The evangelicals and uh, a couple of the other ones ran around 50%, but that was about the highest. They had about a 50-50 shot thinking, you know, if, 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 I, if, my, if the people in my congregation went out to share the good news, you know, one out of two is going to get it uh, completely wrong. And I thought, oh, man, I wonder what ours would be. I thought maybe this half here, you guys look pretty good. You'd probably get it, right? You know, uh, that, that half over there. I don't look at them. I mean, sheesh, you know, that, it's definitely them, right? If it's not the, if not the one and two. But, uh, but then I thought about it, that even in, in, the, in the Bible, the, in Galatians, Paul's writing this, this message to them, and the whole thing is saying, hey, here's what the gospel message is so that you don't get it, so you don't get it wrong. And, and I just believe that today is, is one of those preparation days for you. And the Bible says, put your armor on. In Ephesians, it says, get your armor on. Uh, and, and that armor on is not something you say, hey, you know, kind of, uh, uh, I'm putting on my, you know, helmet of salvation this morning as you put on your hat and, you know, as you put on your shoes, you know, I'm, I'm uh, and going through this thing. It's about a daily continuing to build that armor in your life. It says, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Have your feet shod with, the, with preparing uh, the, the good news, preparing how to share the good news. And this is this morning, I believe that's what we're doing. We're just getting our armor on, preparing you you to share the good news when and if the opportunities arise or when you cause those opportunities to, uh, to happen. You know, if you're, I was talking with somebody last night and they said, you know what, they're, 
at their job. They, uh, they, they're talking with these, these, these rugged steel workers, and uh, they're talking about different things, and he'll ask stuff like, so, hey, what did you do? Well, you know, what were you doing last year? Oh, you're working at uh, such and such a place? Oh, you're working here? Okay. And, and knowing that, the next question they're going to ask, well, well, what were you doing last year? Well, I was in Saskatchewan. Oh, what were you doing there? Oh, I was at Bible school. Oh, Bible school, eh? And, and, and just opening the door for conversations to happen, and then just, and then just talking, just having genuine conversation with them. Um, with people and realizing that, you know what, there's an interest in, there's an interest in, in God. There's an interest in the, the unknown and, and in spiritual things. And just having that opportunity to say, I want to be able to speak into that. But Paul was saying to the Galatian church, he's like, if you're going to talk to them, make sure you get it right. And not just that, that you get it right for what to say to other people, that you get it right for how you live. That, that his whole point in the, the, the first 10 verses is that if the gospel doesn't look like this road, it's not the gospel. If it doesn't look exactly like what I told you when I was there, it isn't the good news. It, there's something different. And, you know, I learned this week, too, that if, you, if you, it, that if you take anything away from the gospel, it's no longer the gospel. If you add anything to it, it's no longer the gospel. It's like a, it's like a water molecule. Anybody know what, that, what the components are of a water molecule? H2O. Very good. I failed science, but, you know, that's, uh, that's why it's not good for me to talk to an atheist. But it, with, H, with H2O, if you add an H... It's no longer water. It's hydronium, but you knew that already, right? So, and, and hydronium is not, it's not, it's not consist, uh, considered to be, to be water. Water's H2O. If you remove an H or you add an O and you make it H2O2, now it's hydrogen peroxide. You, you drink that stuff, you're going to die. And, and that's it's very similar to what Paul is saying with the gospel. The good news is this, and if it's not this, if you change anything uh, about it, it is, it, 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 it's deadly, it's a belief system that is not actually what, uh, what, what Christ actually did, and there's not life in it. He says, the gospel that I want you to believe is this, that Christ, Christ was born. He says in 1 Corinthians, he talks to me, he says, these are the foundations of it, that Christ actually was born, that he was the Son of God, that he died for your sins, and that he was risen again. Those things that, that, that uh, you look at it when you say, hey, I never uh, know how much it costs to see my sin on that cross. It, the, the thing in the conversations that I've been having, I just realized that that's one of the major things that people attack. That they're good with Jesus being this, this um, person who existed, a historical figure. But when you start talking about how Jesus was God, how Jesus was raised from the dead, that raises all these red flags. That, that saying, hey, you know what? That, that didn't happen. You know, that's not historically true. That's, that's not proof. And if they can talk you to the place of where you don't believe that, then Paul said even to the, to the Corinthians way back in the day, say, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, none of us are saved. And he started thinking about that. Well, that's a big thing. You know, if none of us, none of us are actually saved, he says, then if Christ, you know, if it was only for this planet that we're, we're living for Christ, that's the, that's the lamest life ever. He says, all men, we're the most pitiable people ever. Because he said that, that if there was no resurrection from the dead, then, then hey, we're just kind of whatever, cruising. And yet, he says, but it is true. It is true. Jesus Christ did die and was raised from the dead. And that is integral in, in the part of the good news is that that happened. And that, that he was seen, not just by the disciples, but by 500 others and by uh, Peter and James. And, and last of all, it says by Paul. He says, this is the road that is just so clear. Don't, don't deviate from this at all. Uh, and then he... he um, he goes on to say that, there, like the, that there's two different sides. You know, the ditches, we talked about that last week. That the ditches are really close to the road, and yet they're not the road. Ever try and drive in one? It's not the road. 
It's, it's not the same. One ditch was saying that, hey, you know what? It's way too easy. This just trusting Jesus 100% that, that, that I don't have to do anything, that, that I just receive a free gift of salvation and I'm saved because of what Jesus did, that he lived for me, he died for me. This is just too easy. And the Jews thought that. They're like, that's way too easy. That, that, you got to do something. You got to live the law as well. And said, so that's not the good news. He also says the good news isn't just this, this idea of what we talked about as licentiousness. Big word. But all it means is that I get to keep sinning and sinning and sinning without any kind of regret. Because, you know, Jesus paid for it all already. There's, so there's no, there's no change in the life at all is the other ditch. He says the gospel is, is not that. It's, it's between. And, and he was shocked. He was just shocked that, that the Galatian church would trade the truth, would trade this, this road of the gospel for the ditch that they would do that on purpose. They would choose to add, you know, rules and legalism and, and just things ab- around Christianity at, at the expense of a relationship with Jesus. So we were talking about that last week, that don't get caught up in all of the just doing Christian things without having a relationship with Jesus. We're talking about that get to Jesus. In your studying the Word, are you getting to Jesus? Is your relationship with him growing because you study the word? Or is it be, you, you read the word to say, oh, you know, I did it. You know, I'm done my, I'm done my daily bread devotional for the day. Uh, you know, good, good on me. Or is it that saying, God, I want to know you. And all through the, through the New Testament, that is the, the key thing, that, that we would know him. That it would be about Jesus and, and nothing else. And we talked about last week about how Paul was saying, if anybody says anything different, let them be cursed. You know, if Mark says something different, curse that guy. You know, it's, it's, if, if somebody, an angel, even comes and tells you something different, let them be cursed. He's that strong on it. And we talked about how it's like a shock collar. You know, that the Word of God is like a shock collar, like a, on, a, on, a, on a dog. You know, when the dog barks and it's like, it shocks him. It's the same thought um, for this, that if any time you get away from what the truth of the gospel is, that the Word would just begin to shock that back and saying, hey, this is what it is. Don't get caught up in it, because if the Galatian church could get caught up in it, so can we. How easy is it for us that when we're doing good in our view of spirituality, that, you know, we didn't do that sin we're so used to doing, and we've gone like three, five, seven, nine days, and we're counting down days, wow, I must be pretty good with God. It's easy to fall in that, isn't it? Sometimes, or the opposite is just as true. That when, that when you mess up, it's like, oh, God, I'm a worm. I'm dirt. I don't deserve your love. I, I'm just a terrible, terrible person. And, and we think that God doesn't love us, and we can't worship, and we shouldn't be in church. The whole thing's going to burn to the ground because you have no idea how dirty of a person I am on the inside. That's also not believing what the gospel said. That what Jesus did is enough. That your salvation is not dependent on anything that you do other than believing. It says, um... In, uh, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, as we just kind of go on from there, he says, obviously, I'm not trying to win any friends here. <laughs> he's like, if you, in the first two verses before that, he's talking about cursing everybody. He's obviously not trying to win friends. He, he says, if, if I'm trying to please people, then I'm not being a servant of God. And that's the main, main thing that in, for us, sometimes it's in, in our culture, especially for people like me, it's this thing of wanting to please people. Wanting people to be, to be okay with, with, with me or with what I had to say. And, and he just doesn't leave any room for that. He, he says this gospel message is true as it's true as it's true. No matter, no matter who's walking on this road or who's wherever they find themselves, this is what it is. It, it's only this. 
It's, it's only in knowing Jesus. There, there is no other, there's no gray areas of saying, oh, well, for you it could be this. He says, this is what it is. And as he goes on, I just want to, uh, in, in, well, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, let's just go on from there this morning. If you got your Bibles, turn there. Uh, last week I encouraged you with this thought, that, that my, my job, you know, at, at doing this, is to seek out truth from God's Word and to try and present it to you in a way that you say, yeah, I get it and I understand it and I can do something with it. But your job is to actually make sure that what I'm telling you is not arf and arf. You know, that it's actually true stuff. That's a word. Um, it's that, that you're looking for and say, hey, you know, okay, what he's telling me is actually true. I loved it last night. Somebody came up afterwards and says, hey, I'm reading this, and, and you know, what do you think about this? Does that, does that line up with what, you're, what you were talking about this, um, last night? And it's good to have those conversations. You know, back in the day, a few hundred years ago, nobody had the, nobody had the word. You, you didn't have access to it. Nobody had access to it. So whatever the, the guy at the front said, well, that's, the, that's it. There's so much control in people's lives. It's where religion got, gained control over people because they didn't have it. But now you have it. I would challenge you to take advantage of it, to say, you know what, I'm going to look a, and see and find it for myself. That's what the uh, notes are there for. If you want to jot some of these scriptures down, I challenge you to do that. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 11 says this, but I make known to you, brothers. So he's talking to people who call themselves brothers or that are followers of Jesus. He says, I make known to you that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul makes a statement here. After he's already explained kind of, hey, this is what the gospel is, he, he, he begins to say that, that, hey, this thing is not man-made. This is not something that, that I made up. It's not, it's not from humans. No one taught me this. He's like, I want to understand this really clear. And, and I just, this morning, what I want to just do, is I just want to read the rest, of, um, the, the rest of the verses, and then we'll just take a quick look back at it and, and kind of break it down. It says, Galatians uh, 1, verse 13, For you've heard of my former conduct in Judaism. He says, How I persecuted the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, think about that for a second. This is something that just pleased God. It says, it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son to me, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. He says, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and then I returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. I remained with him for 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And then he puts in brackets, Now, concerning all the things which I just wrote to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. So just in case you're not, you know, thinking, okay, Paul, you just said all this stuff. He's like, listen, I'm not lying when I tell you this. He says, afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And it says, they glorified God in me. You know, there's this recurring theme through this whole chunk of scriptures. Uh, of text that Paul's saying to this Galatian church. He says in verse 11, this gospel's not based on human reasoning. In verse 12, he says, it's not from humans, and I, no one taught it to me. Paul didn't go to Bible school. 
He, he didn't go and, um, and learn all this stuff. It wasn't, it wasn't this man-made idea because there are man-made gospels. A- every other religion, every other faith is a man-made gospel saying, hey, the, the good news looks like this to them, is that there's a deity that you need to impress, and, and, and this is where he is, this is where we are. Here's the steps kind of back from there, and this is what you have to do to get to him. These are the things that you need to do to impress God. And he says, this is the only one that's not like that. This is the only one that says, here's God, here's you. You're a sinner and need God. There, there's no doubt about that. We can all agree we, we were all sinners. We've all sinned. Yeah, anybody told a lie this week? You who just said you're not a sinner, you just lied. You know, so uh, you, you just got to join the, join the rest of us in that, in that we can't live perfect on our own. We, we need a Savior. We find ourselves here. But he says that the gospel, the good news is that God, through his son Jesus, came to us. Not us getting to him. He came to us right where we were at. It says before we were even born, he knew us. Before we ever uh, had the chance to accept him, he loved us. While we were still sinners, he died for us. He says he did all of that. He came to us. He says that is paramount. There is none of this I have to do something to, to, to uh, get to God, to be saved. He says he, he came, and that's the free gift that he gave. It says in verse 16 that Paul says, I didn't consult with any humans. He says, I didn't go to the apostles in Jerusalem. He says, even the Christians in Judea, any of them didn't know me personally. Why is he saying all of this stuff? Why does he go through and say, this is, I want you all to know this. What's, what's the big deal? You know, I was thinking about it. For instance, if you had somebody going to work on your car, you know, for instance, you take it to Bruce or to John, and, and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm a mechanic, but I never went to school for this. You know, bring your car in, and, and I'll root around in there with a stick and see if I can't find out what's wrong in there. He'd be like, what do you mean you didn't go to school? <laughs> You're just about to tell me what's wrong with my car, but you didn't go anywhere to get trained on, on this? I think I'm going to take it down the road to some other guy. No, 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 just don't, don't worry about it. Let me tell you again. Let me spell it out for you. I did not go to mechanic school. I, I did not go to college. I have no training uh, former, like from any other human being on how to fix a car. You'd be like, okay, this, wh- why, are you, why are you telling me this? Do you, do you not want my business? Right? Would we not think that way? So when Paul's saying this to the Galatians, he's like, hey, guys, I didn't go to Bible school. I, I never learned this stuff from any other human being. I, I didn't, um, I, no one taught it to me. I didn't even once I received Jesus go to, like, to church, to Jerusalem, to figure it all out. I didn't do any of that stuff. And you're like thinking, Paul, why are you telling me? Because that's Paul's point. That's the, that's the main point. If you look in the story of Acts chapter 9, when Paul, it tells his story. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you t- today, but check it out. It's cool. Paul is, he, he hates the church of Jesus so much that he wants, he destroys all of them in Jerusalem. The reason that the church is not just in Jerusalem today, Paul's one of the main reasons for that, because he persecuted them so badly. He killed them. He would put them in prison that they said, we're getting out of this place. And they went everywhere else. And what do they take with them? <laughs> the good news. They took it with them to every other place they went. But Paul's this main reason why they're all leaving. And then Paul's like, well, I got them all in Jerusalem. Now there's no more here to get, but I've got to kill these people. I hate them. They're, 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 against, the, they're against the law. They're against what, what we've studied all our lives. So he, he asks the, the rabbis and the, and the priests, and they say, Paul, hey, you know what? You go to Damascus. Go find whoever you want. Kill whoever you want. He says he wants to bring the women and children in chains back to, back to uh, Jerusalem to throw them in prison. This doesn't sound like a really great guy. 
But what does, it, what does it say? Paul's on his way to Damascus. It's the middle of the day. It's, it's, the sun is at the highest that it's at in the middle of the day, and it says all of a sudden something brighter than the sun. <laughs> I love that. Brighter than the sun just shines down on Paul and knocks him off his horse. And, and, and he's on the ground, and he says, Hey, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he hears the voice. He says, what? what? Who is this? Who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus. I'm the person that you, that you are persecuting. I'm, I'm the person that, uh, that, you are, that you are trying to harm when you go after all, all of my kids. And, and Paul's like, what? Uh, okay, what do I do now? He's like, well, just you go to Damascus. I'll deal with you in three days. That's like my dad used to do when I was a kid, you know. You go to your room, and I'll be there, you know. Or, you know, go lay in the driveway. I'll get the keys. You know, no, it's uh, <laughs> he wasn't that bad. I'm just kidding. But, but this, is what, this is what happened. So Paul goes to Damascus, and he says... Um, He's waiting there for three days, and then, and, then, and then God says to this guy named Ananias, who's praying, he says, Ananias, I want you to, he says, I, I, I got a job for you. And Ananias is like, cool, God, I'm good for it. Let's, what, what is it? He's like, there's this guy, Saul, you may have heard of him. Uh, yeah, the guy who wants to kill me. Yeah, I know who that is. He's like, well, he's in Damascus, and he's just down the road, and I want you to go pray for him because he can't see anything. I want you to go pray for him and heal him. And Ananias is like, wait a second, I don't, it even says, God, this is the person who's, who's coming to kill us, you know, and, and he said, I don't know if I want to do that. And then God says to him, you know what, Ananias, I already showed Paul a vision of you coming to pray for him. So he already knows, you know, that, that you're coming. And Ananias is like, oh, man, God, okay, you know, it's, it's not what I want to do, but sheesh, I'll go do that. I'll go pray for him. But if, if I pray for him and he kills me, I'm going to be very upset. You know, like this, this is not, I don't like this, I don't like this deal so much. But it says, what does he do? He goes, he goes and he prays for Paul. It says, scales fall off of his eyes. He's healed. He goes and he eats a meal. He hangs out for three days. And then it says, immediately he goes to the synagogues and he starts preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, who taught Paul the gospel? Ananias didn't teach it to him. You know, on the road, as he's going to, to, um, to Damascus, what happens? It says here, he says, I did not get this from any man. It came from a direct revelation of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is revealed in, 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 the, in the good news, and he becomes the good news that, that, it's, that Jesus Christ gets revealed in a person's life. Now, I say this is not the way that it happens for every one of us. See, we have the New Testament. We've got the, the, the words that, that have been written where, where Christ is revealed by Holy Spirit. But that is the part that has to happen in a person's life, that Jesus becomes revealed in our lives. That it's not this new idea of this is, I follow this belief system or these lists of rules and thoughts, and this is how it is. No, I, I know Jesus. So when Paul goes out, he says, Jesus is the Son of God. And, 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 and this was his whole point. See, Paul's whole point of telling them, hey, nobody taught me this, is that after he went and he began speaking to all these places, he went and told them, saying, listen, if you, if you just realize this, the fact that I didn't go and learn this from anybody, he says, all the other apostles, they were with Jesus. They all walked with him. They heard him teach. They knew exactly what he's saying. And he says, they saw it with their own eyes, and that's why they're able to go and speak what they speak. He says, but look at me. I never met Jesus before. I never was a follower of Christ. I was everything but, and yet I'm telling you the very same things that I never learned from any other person, and they're the same things. That's on par with me going to, uh, to the mechanic shop and saying, hey, Bruce, move on over. I'm going to work on this Volkswagen, and I actually know what I'm doing. You would be like, that is a miracle. Paul's saying the same, it would be actually a miracle, but Paul's saying the same thing here, that, that the good news, 
that, that getting to know Jesus reveals the same things in, uh, in his life as what the apostles had then, and that's good news for us. That when Jesus becomes revealed in our lives as well, that, that we would have that, that same good news. You know that man doesn't get saved by a human gospel or human reasoning? In uh, 1 Corinthians 1.18, he says this, the message of the cross, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. It's the power of God. You know, studying the idea of atheism, uh, realizing you don't win people to uh, Christ by having all the right words and winning a debate. I watched a great debate. There's a, there's a guy named um, Christopher Hitchens. He's probably one of the, the kind of the top new uh, atheists, they call him. They're, they're not new, they, they, but just they're, they're younger, right? But this guy uh, uh, has just, he's wrote uh, a bunch of books. Written? Written a bunch of books. God is not written. <laughs> that coffee is a little too strong this morning. He, uh, he, he wrote books on, you know, about how God is not great, and he wrote these different things. And I watched a debate where, where he was in a, in a debate with another guy about, does God exist? And the guy's name is William Lane Craig. It's very cool. If you got two and a half hours, you want to just burn and watch it on YouTube this afternoon. It's pretty incredible. But Christopher Hitchens loses this debate, hands down loses the debate. Just that you watch them put stuff on the screen of how he's uh, shirking the questions. He just can't get there because the thing is that as this other person just speaks the truth of, of the fact that God does exist, that Jesus Christ really was raised from the dead. This guy could not refute that, which was just, just crazy. And yet at the very end, uh, it was just cool. William at the, Lane Craig at the end just says to the guy, he's like, you know what? I would like to say that based on the fact that uh, I gave five good arguments of why God exists, why Jesus is his son, why he was raised from the dead, uh, five good reasons why all of this is true. He says, I would, and, and, and I've had no rebuttal. I would like to offer Mr. Hitchens the opportunity to accept Jesus as his savior today in front of thousands of people. And, and yet winning this debate, Christopher Hitchens just kind of smirked and some whatever, you know, and, and did not receive Christ. And to the best of our knowledge, he did never receive Christ. He died this past year uh, in that belief system of atheism. But you know what I realize? Sometimes we want to try and win this battle of knowing all the right words or convincing something. But God's design was not that way. It, it, you know, to the Jews, it sounds like it's too easy, so they're offended. To the Gentiles, he says, it just sounds like foolishness, this you believe in a God. Why? And they, they'll ask you umpteen number of questions that say it doesn't make any sense that, that God would would do it that way. Why would God, you know, have this sacrifice in the desert with all these illiterate people? There's so much better ways that he could have found to save the world. Why did he do it that way? It says it can make you, make you kind of think, but guess what? You can win the debate. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to win somebody to Christ because there's no power in that. He says that the power is in the gospel. In um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let me just read this to you. In verse um, 20, it says this, so where does this leave the philosophers and scholars? Where does it leave the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look like foolishness, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him, would never know him. See, knowing him is the key thing. But it says he would never know him through human wisdom. He, used, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It's foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. It's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. Uh, it says, so when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say, it's all nonsense. I say, it sounds real similar to today. And yet it says that the good news, that that message 
But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength because it says that there is a power in the good news for the saving of the soul. The good news, and I, and I want to leave you with this, these thoughts. It says the good news creates a former life in those who believe it. I want to ask you that question. Paul said that as well. He says, you know, you heard of my former conduct in Judaism. This is what I used to be like. This is who I was before. You guys have heard about my past. You know, I was, his resume was like, he was like the, the Jewish guy. He was born in the right tribe. He's born in the right family. He, he went and studied the law. He was a Pharisee. He wanted to be the best Pharisee possible. So he probably memorized, you know, uh, first five books of the Bible. He says, all of that. He says, you know all that. And he says, um, he also says, you know that I was a persecutor of the church. You guys don't even trust that I'm, that I'm, that I'm uh, actually saved. He says they didn't, even, they didn't even trust him when he went back there because they knew how he killed people. It, Paul lived both sides to the max. He, what does he do? He takes away something from every one of us this morning. That fact that says, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. I don't need God. You know, I'm good enough. I, I think I got it all together. I, I'm not as bad as some people, but you're not going to be nearly as good as Paul. He said, according to the law, I'm faultless. He said, I've kept all of that. He says, that, he says that he takes that opportunity away. And I believe this morning, if you're looking through and saying, you know what? I don't know if I know Jesus. I think if I look at Christianity and this faith thing, it's about going to church for me. It's about reading the Bible because that's what we're supposed to do. Prayer is this thing I do because I need God to do something for me. Doesn't that make us God? If I still need him to do something for me, that's my motives. That puts me in that kind of pedestalized place. He says, maybe realizing, you know, that, that I don't think I, I really need God that much because I, I kind of got my life together. That puts this, this self-righteousness thing. And if you're feeling that, Holy Spirit's working your heart this morning to say, you know what, it's not about that. And come to know me. But Paul also takes away the other side of saying, if you were sitting and, you know, having a um, cappuccino with Paul and you're just talking like, so, uh, hey, what did you do in your past? Well, I was, you know, uh, I did a, I had a couple, I, I stole from my mom's purse. Oh, yeah? Paul's like, yeah, well, I murdered people. It's like, and he's not talking, it's not like, you know, murdered in like uh, on Facebook, like where he's like putting out this blog and writing his mean stuff about somebody. He, he actually killed them. Actually killed them. And, and so if he says, you know, he's sitting there with them, you say, you know what, man, I didn't kill nobody. But Paul says to, to, to that, realize that it doesn't matter how bad your past is, it can be, it can be a, former, uh, a former life. Sometimes people will just feel like God could never love me. He couldn't. Paul says, hey, that's not the case. The good news says that it doesn't matter what your past entails. He loves you. There's a story of a guy named Roy Regals. I want to finish with a couple of quick stories uh, this morning. Roy Regals, if you, you may have heard of him. Probably not. But January 1st, 1929, was anyone there? January 1st, 1929 was the Rose Bowl. It's one of the big uh, tournaments in the uh, college football league. There was a big center Roy Regals, he played center. All his main job was block, protect the quarterback. Uh, that was, that's what he did. So when uh, this particular game happened, championship game we're talking about, this, um, there's a fumble, and Roy happens to be the one to pick up the ball. And, and Roy never touches the ball. Roy never runs with the ball, never anything. But this absolute amazing opportunity happens. Roy picks up the ball, and he begins to run. And as he's running, he hears the cheers. He hears the, just the, the, the stadium get louder and louder as he's running. And he's actually running. He runs 69 yards from where he picks up the ball, and he gets tackled on the one-yard line. 
one yard away from a touchdown that was never possible for a guy. And yet, then all of a sudden, as the, 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 the clouds clear in his head, he looks and he realizes he was tackled by his own quarterback. He had been running straight towards his own end zone and had almost got there in a championship game before his quarterback brought him to the ground. And as he looked, the stadium was yelling at him to turn around, and, and he kept going for it. Roy, at the half, they were down now 2 nothing. And Roy's sitting in the, in the dressing room, and his head is in his hands. He's realized that he's just done something probably the most, they still call it one of the dumbest moves in football ever. You know, this many years later, he still holds that, that title. No one else has done something quite this, quite this ridiculous. But Roy's sitting there with tears in his eyes, head in his hands. Everyone else is like, Raw, okay, let's go. We're only down 2 nothing at the half. Let's go. And they, and they go out, and everybody goes out on the field. And all of a sudden, they realize, like, hey, where's Roy? Roy's not here. And they all know because he's the big center. All of a sudden, he's not there. The coach goes back in and says, sees Roy just sitting there. He's like, what's wrong? He's like, I can't go back out there. He's like, there's a stadium of thousands of people who know all of the, just what I just did. I cannot go back out there. The coach sat beside him and just said, listen, Roy, says, this, is, this, this game's not over. We're sitting at the half. There, there's, there's a whole nother half that you have to play, a whole nother half that you have the chance to change what you just did. See, everyone makes mistakes. Don't let it be your failure that defines you, but let it be your comeback. So Roy got up, went out in the field, and it actually says that he played the best second half of his career. He blocked punts. He did stuff that he had never done before, and it was like they didn't know whether to remember him for being the biggest goofball or to, for being the, you know, having the best second half ever. But I say that same thing for us. Paul's saying the same thing. It doesn't matter how big the screw-ups are in your past. That is your past. To leave that past and say, but believing the truth of Jesus Christ, the gospel, I have a former life. By getting to Jesus and having relationship with Jesus, not, not just saying, oh, this is kind of whatever, I'll accept these new rules. This morning saying, if, if I can get to Jesus in, in this, this belief of, of realizing that, hey, uh, he, he did it all for me, that creates a former life in you creates a former life that all that stuff is behind you, no matter what it is. That offer is still on the table today. And you see that through the, through the whole Word of God. So many people that, that came to Jesus Christ had a former life. There's a story of a woman in the Bible. She had, a, she had an issue, and she says, if I could just get to Jesus, I know I'd be healed. There's something in her that said, if I can just get to Jesus, I know I'd be healed. It says that she did get to Jesus. She touched him, and Jesus is like, what? hey, who touched me? He's like, the disciples are like, Jesus, there's like thousands of people around you. What do you mean, who touched you? He knew somebody had reached out and grabbed hold uh, of what they knew, and said, by getting to Jesus, she had a former life. She was healed. There's a story of Zacchaeus, a small guy, who said, you know what, if I could just see Jesus... That's all I want. I just want to see Jesus. And it says he climbed up a tree. He did something because of the desire to get to Jesus. And it says Jesus is walking along and looks up in a tree, happens to stop at that tree. Look up in that tree and say, hey, uh, Zacchaeus? Yeah, that's me. He says, listen, I'm going to your house for dinner today. All right. He's like, let's go. And they go to dinner, and they're sitting there, and they're having tea and scrumpets. And then all of a sudden, Zacchaeus is like, wait a second. You're God. And, and, and just that revelation of who Jesus is, it doesn't say that anything was said. It just all of a sudden says that the revelation of who Jesus is in Zacchaeus' life, he begins to do all kinds of different things. He, uh, he makes his relationships right. He's, he says right there, I'm going to repay everything I stole times for. He says, I'm going to make it all right. What happened? The revelation of Jesus, Zacchaeus has a former life. The revelation of Jesus changes, changes lives. There's a guy named Bartimaeus. 
Uh, he's sitting on a roadside begging. He's blind. He hears that Jesus is right down the road, and he starts screaming. He's like yelling his head off, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of Nazareth, have mercy on me. He's calling out to Jesus with everything he's got because he wants to get to Jesus. And everybody around is like, shh, quiet, man. Don't, don't do that. You know, don't, don't keep doing that. And that can happen. When you have that desire, say, I want to get to know Jesus, that others will be like, don't be so, come on, seriously, don't be such like a, you're way too passionate. You're way too loud. You're like getting, a, just getting on my nerves. Just, just be quiet. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, hey, wait a second. I, I think I just heard something. Hey, can you get that guy? Just go get that guy who's yelling over there. Bring him to me. And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, hey, buddy. Guess what? Jesus wants to, I'm your best friend, right? Take me with you to Jesus. Let's go. And, 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 and everything changes. And says, so what happens? Um, Bartimaeus gets up. He says he throws aside his garment. It was, they wore a beggar's garment back that day that identified them. He says he throws it away knowing that what's going to happen with the revelation of Jesus, he's going to have a former life. I ain't going to need the begging garment anymore because I'm going on to something else. My challenge for you, Kingsway, is this, that we, in everything we would do, would get to Jesus. Just, just getting back to the simplicity of, Jesus, would you be revealed in my life? That in each one of you, that every day is mercies are new every day. That what's past becomes your former life. It's, it's who I was. It's not who I am. My passion today is to get to know Christ. That you could say with Paul in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It's the end of the next chapter. If we keep going on this, on this uh, study of Galatians, we'll get there. But you might see it on coffee mugs. You might see it on the bumper sticker. But it's, uh, I used to have it on a t-shirt. But it's so, so important. He says this, my old self, my former life. My yesterday has been crucified with Christ. That's where it is. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I uh, now live in this earthly body, uh, I, I live that life trusting in the Son of God. Trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My former life is nailed to the cross. My now life, this life I live now, is centered around knowing Jesus. Could that be the prayer of our lives to say, you know what? The gospel message says that that's true today, that I can leave it all behind in the pursuit of knowing him. Not in the pursuit of, of going to church. Not in the pursuit of having some more, you know, rules. You say, Mark, you keep saying this. Yeah, because I don't want you to get anything else. I, I don't want you to think of it as anything, anything else, that we would just get to Jesus. The Bible just says that for those who, are, who would continue to believe, salvation will be revealed in the last day. For those who continue to believe the good news message of Jesus. So I want to encourage you. You may be in a place where your faith gets rocked. Continue to believe. You might be in a place where you're saying, you know, I don't know what I believe. Maybe I believe stuff because it's my parents' belief. It's because of what they've said or what, maybe this thing. I challenge you to just dig down deep and say, Jesus, I want you to be revealed to me in my life. I want to know you. In everything I do, let me get to, to know you. Let that relationship grow stronger. It says, out of that, Every, every, every epistle starts with more grace and more peace to you. More grace and more peace to you. My thought at the end here is this, that that would be for us as well. More grace for you, more peace for you. That this, this, this whole relationship with Jesus isn't this struggle and this trial. And this, I'm really trying really hard to kind of live it right. But that in this saying of God, I just want to know you, that out of that, there's just such a peace that you can, that you live out those things. And the Bible just promises that if you'd focus on getting to know Jesus, all those other things, he's going to work them out in your life. He won't allow you to jump into either ditch. He's going to work out those things in your life. Those things will just come out naturally out of that, but it comes out of that relationship. It's the same, uh, well, that's where we're going to end. That's where we're going to end today. But I want to uh, encourage you with that thought. 
saying, hey, am I, am I getting to Jesus? Is that growing since last week? Do I have a former life? Is the gospel powerful in my life? Is it changing something? It's on the table for you this morning. If you don't know the Lord, you say, you know what? I, I, I don't know if I've ever, if I can say that, that I've got a, a, a life that's passed behind me, that, that I've received forgiveness for all of that, that I've received the, the good news that, and, and believe that Jesus died for my sins. You can do that this morning. It just, it's, it's one of those things of just saying to God, God, I, I believe, honestly believe what, you, what your word says, that it was for me, that it was for my sins that you died, that you are, like Paul said, the son of God, that, that you were raised again from the dead. It says the Bible says, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I would encourage you that, with that this morning. But in that, Holy Spirit will do something on the inside that no word or no person can do. And you'll know it. You will know it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I believe I've done what you've put on my heart to do this morning. I just pray that you would take uh, it from here and, and continue to speak into the hearts of people. Uh, Lord, I, I pray for those who um, are finding themselves just on their own road, their own walk. They're just walking their own uh, path. God, that you would connect with them in that same way. Uh, that, that Jesus, this good news, this power of the, of the message of the cross would speak life into them that they would receive you and your forgiveness and your gift of salvation. Father, I pray for every person here who does know you, that out of this, out of the living, uh, what they believe, that they'd have opportunities to share that with others. Uh, God, that it would bring life into their lives, that if there's areas of, in our lives where we get away from the gospel, that you'd prick our hearts, that you'd cause us to stay straight on that spot, that our lives would be, it would be said, they are all about you, Jesus. I pray that again today, Lord. Uh, for myself primarily and for others here in this place as well that agree in that. Thank you for uh, this time that we have together. Pray your uh, blessing on every family and every person as they go from this place. Pray that be a light in a, dar in a dark place this week. Pray that your hope and your joy and your love would fill their lives and their homes. Uh, let's thank you for that, Lord. That's in your name we pray. Amen.